to get this show on the road. Do your thing. Uh, do, do my thing. Thanks. So that, do that thing. That thing you love, right? This is your favorite yeah. part of every episode. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Episode 75, 75, 75 of the Just Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I am your host, Croiler Gracie, with Andrew Desimone. That's me. They call me Crazy Croiler. I've been on the mats since day one of my life, and I've been ripping off arms. And I have the challenge that I'll beat anyone who attempts to try to fight me. Thanks, Croiler. That was a great intro. You brought more energy here than, than I usually do, than you usually do. I appreciate that. That, that was impressive, especially this early in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the seven or eight in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really impressive. I just spent all the energy I have this early, so you, the rest of the podcast is on you now. We're here, and it is one week into being back in the gym. I haven't been back yet, but you, you started everything. How, how was yeah. week number one? It's pretty good. You know, um, we saw people that didn't come in because they're concerned, and and, and that's fine. I get it. Um, but overall, we everybody came back. We had really strong classes. Um, nobody's complained about having to use a mask or anything like that, so it's it's been nice. How are you using the masks in class? So Obviously on your face, but uh, other than that. Um, basically, we're doing it so that when people come in, you know, they they sanitize. We have hand sanitizers everywhere, so they rest them to their hands, forearms, etc. And then they are to put a mask on, you know, get changed, come back out, and then they have to wear a mask through the, through the entirety of the class. Everyone that's been there this week, all returning people do you have any new people no we've had quite a few new people um we've had um you know over um, almost almost 20 people sign up over break which is nice um and so we've, they've been coming in and those people have been you know trying it out so it's it's been nice You've had 20 people over break, like people who are doing private classes and then also people who were just there this week. Yeah. Yeah. People that just wanted to start training and they didn't really care about the situation. So that's impressive that you have new students with us. I, I would think that I, I would think everyone who would be back right now would just be returning students. People though, who have, who have never done it. I'm thinking, yeah, this is a good time to come in. And I, you know, it's probably like any other industry out there, like a, like even like a Lowe's or Menards. They have they're they're busier than ever because people are just sitting around the house thinking, oh, I'm going to do a whole project. To the same extent, all of us for the last four months have been feeling like lazy pieces of shit, and so we're yeah. just dying. Like I can't wait to like be active and do something physical again. Yeah. So the, you know, the, those new white belts have been showing up the the color belts because. I've had I've had more white belts every day this week than I've had color belts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, they're showing me up. Yeah. So step up, man. <laughs> See, I I I I'm in that in the in between where like I want to come back, but I don't know if I should wait. 
a yeah, little bit I longer. Mean, you get sick all the time, so I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're Mister Mister Immune System, Mister. I'm never gonna be ill. So <laughs> again, I'm not wishing that you get sick. I, I'm not doing. You that, are. You are. There's part. No. Of you. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I just would like something to knock you off that holier than thou health pedestal. Oh my god! <laughs> not, not something terrible. Just, just like mm-hmm. I want you to come in and say, like, oh man, this runny nose is really driving me crazy. And then, like, yeah, it's okay. You'll be all right. Uh, I, I will. If I get a runny nose, I will do that just for you. <laughs> all right. Let's let's start today off with a listener email. Okay. You know, for it's been a while since we've opened up that listener mailbag. So do you want to do the honors or should I? Yeah, that's all you, man. That's all you. All right. Uh, I, I pull out a, a torch and I light up. <laughs> and this hawk comes soaring through the sky and at bullet speed, it flies right towards me. Like it's about to just run right into me. And then the last minute it pulls its wings back and stops and hovers and then lands right on my forearm and then lifts up one of its talons and it has a little note that I pull off and I open this note up and that is the listener scroll. And today's listener scroll comes to us from Brendan. He says, hey guys, my name is Brendan. Thanks, Brendan. I'm a blue belt in Southern Utah. I have two questions that I was hoping I could get your knowledge on. I'm a former wrestler in all styles. When I began in jujitsu and when I began in jujitsu and someone would sit on the butt instead of doing stand up, I would leg lace them and do a roll and then usually land in side control. My old professor would tell me that this isn't wrestling and to stop doing it. Well, my first question is how do you feel about a professor telling a student that has prior grappling knowledge not to do a technique that seems to be working. So let's start with that first question. And that's a loaded question. Aren't they all? <laughs> no, some of them are pretty straightforward. <laughs> um, the, the default answer to any, any question like that is always, you know, trust your professor, you know, trust your coach. I mean, you're going to them for a reason. It's, it's tough because and I don't want to speak for your coach and, and, you know, I don't know who it is and I don't know who they are. So, um, grappling is grappling in, in, in no matter what the style it is, you know, judo, wrestling, sambo, jujitsu, it's all grappling. And there are plenty of like, even in jujitsu, there's plenty of wrestling techniques that we adopt. There's plenty of sambo techniques that we adopt, plenty of judo techniques that we adopt. And, 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 and I'm sure the same goes the other direction. Um, with that said, you know, if, if you have a move or a technique that is working, you know, and, and your professor says, no, don't do that. There, there's got to be a reason for it, right? And and not seeing the technique, not knowing what he's talking about, uh, not knowing the coach and, and his background, it's really tough to say. But I would, I would think that you know, there's there's a few reasons why any coach would say that. It could be that while the technique is successful, it could be successful because of a knowledge disparity. You know, I don't know if he's rolling with the whites and blue belts and if he's got all this wrestling experience, you know, and, and he might just have more grappling experience, period. 
So he may be able to pull off techniques that aren't necessarily viable in a match just because of the sheer gap in knowledge. You know, like if I roll with you, you're a blue belt, I'm a black belt, I can throw like, you know, weird techniques out there that don't generally work and make them work just because there's a huge knowledge difference. Um, but I wouldn't actually do that in a, a match with other black belts, you know, so there could be that. When you say the knowledge disparity, are you also thinking that he is, let's say he's a blue belt, but an experienced wrestler going with white belts and blue belts. And he has, let's say a similar uh, jujitsu knowledge well as those people, but his grappling knowledge is much higher than theirs. So he can utilize wrestling techniques that help him beat their lower level jujitsu techniques and the instructor is saying like yeah you're a great grappler but right now let's focus on like learning jujitsu technique that you can get that you can raise that up and then once you need to like compete or go against someone you can mix your high level wrestling with your now better jujitsu right right and, and and you know it may be just that or it may be one of those situations where just sheer grappling experience can make him get away with techniques that are just not just flat out not viable. I mean, what you said would imply the techniques are viable and they may be right there. There may be, there will be times where those techniques are viable and you can do it, but in a situation where the technique just isn't viable, not competitively anyways, you know, um, when, when you say not viable, when I'm guessing he would say, well, isn't it viable if I'm able to hit it on the people I'm rolling with? Only, only if the people that you're rolling with are competitive to you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so example, um, if, if, you know, like, like Grant, who's our wrestling coach, Grant's a division one, you know, wrestler for IU, you know, great, great wrestler, big, big, big Ten state. He started as a white belt training with us. And if I, if I took uh, an average white belt that came in off the street and I said, Hey guys, go, go, go grapple. He grant not even without knowing any just is going to maul this brand new white belt because he just has, you know, 10 years of wrestling experience on him. You know, if I take like, uh, like our, like Nate, our judo instructor, he's a brown belt now, but, um, he's been a black belt in judo long before he started training jujitsu. So, you know, if he came in as a white belt in jujitsu and I put him to grapple with another white belt, he's going to pull techniques off on those white belts that, you know, are effective, but they wouldn't ever truly be effective. Here's an example with Nate. So he's a brown belt now, but if he came in as a white belt, having the black belt in judo will give him a huge edge on other white belts. And he might be able to do techniques to them that him, that he now as a brown belt won't do it to other brown belts because he knows that they're not really going to work. That, that could be one reason. It could be because it's viable because there's a knowledge gap. Um, the other other reason it could be it could just be sheer athleticism. You know, um, not that technique isn't real, but that he can buffer any shortcomings or you know things like that on sheer athleticism. I don't know who his training partners are. If they're not as athletic as he is or something like that, I could see a situation where 
um, just having this sheer aggressive wrestling mentality could get him through. Um, and, and, and to take the, the long philosophical road, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. That's a good thing to hop on because a lot of times it's easy for us to say, all right, well, this is, this is working. And you're saying I'm being using my athleticism and aggression. And that's the only reason it works. But if, if jujitsu is all about whatever's most effective and that's people, we all like it because it's kind of scientific. If it works, use it. If it doesn't work, throw it away. Then a lot of us would go, well, okay, well it, let's just be logical. It works. Why shouldn't I do it? Right. Well, and like I said, on the philosophical level, like just because you can do a technique doesn't mean you should. Um, you know, and it's it's funny because like more often than not, when people, new people come into jiu-jitsu, you know, they can't help but compare to others. So, you know, a white belt will compare to their to his peers, to other white belts. You know, blue belts will compare themselves to other blue belts. And and it's kind of how they gauge process uh, progress, which is not... Um, not the way to do it you should compare yourself to yourself so the reason why why that is is because everybody's improving at different paces you know everybody's got different learning abilities and, and potentials and, and all that so you know there may be things that you can pull off when you have an edge on other students but that you wouldn't be able to pull off should that edge disappear, whether it's athleticism or just experience. And then on a more serious note, if the goal is to improve overall and to get better overall, you need to be able to increase the the tools in your tool set. You know, like you, you need to like increase the different kinds of, of techniques you have. If you're always working with the same 10 to 15 techniques because they work really, really well, you're not getting better. And I think yeah, that's, that's where the problem is. As you said, we don't know what his instructor, we don't know what his reasoning was or his thought process was. But right. I, I thought, you know, if I had to guess, he probably, the, the reason if I was an instructor, I'd tell someone, hey, yeah, that's working, we just stop doing it, is the thing, the trap we all fall into. Once we find something that works, we just do it over and over and over because especially that position that he was talking about, I have to get around someone's guard. That's a tough thing to do. I have this one thing I can always do to get past someone's guard, at least the people I'm rolling with right now. Um, so I'm just going to do that. And then if I just do that all the time, then I think I'm, I think that I have my shortcut to always get past guard. But then as soon as I go to, I go with people who are a little bit better like you said before, that's a technique that no longer is viable. And now I'm st- I'm sitting here saying, well, shit, uh, this shortcut I had now doesn't take me where I wanted to go. And now I'm just stuck here and have no uh, options. Right. You, you become, you know, that's the only thing you end up having. And, and now you never dedicated time to learning any other strategies or any other techniques to getting around. So, Did you ever have uh, moments in your jiu-jitsu career where you fell into that trap where you do something all the time and then you reached a level where you said, oh, no, that doesn't work anymore. And now I have to, like, scramble to learn 
like alternatives to this yeah i mean when i was a blue belt and i was competing all the time like i used to fly in arm bars so like and i could catch that's hilarious to think of some (laughs) big ass person like you doing flying arm bars well and that's why it worked is because at a blue belt level nobody's doing that and two at my weight (laughs) nobody's ever doing that so like nobody would expect it and i would (laughs) and i would catch these guys you were doing all these flying arm bars what was the result of you then saying, like, okay, I got to switch this up now? Well, I started, I started like, you know, it, it kind of like forced me to get better because I, I used to throw these flying arm bars and catch people because they were unsuspecting of a huge guy just running at them and flying up into an arm bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, um, every once in a while, I would, it would happen that I would get somebody who's a little more experienced who would fight out of it. And then I would end up in bottom, you know, and, and, and I had a pretty decent close guard, even as a blue belt. So I was okay. Um, until people, until I would throw a flying arm bar and miss and not get a close guard out of it. And now they're, they're passing my close guard and they'd get to side. And, and, you know, I never really practiced side because I was never there. Didn't need to be there. Didn't need to practice. It was a waste of my time. Well, as people got there, like it kind of forces forces you to to admit, you know, certain weaknesses, and it forces you to improve on them. So, you know, start spending how to defend the bottom side. But I had to be open to that. You know, if it, it would have been so easy to say, "Oh, it's this one guy," or "It's this these couple people that got lucky," you know, like that doesn't promote growth. Which is where I could see like the the listener who sent in that that question thinking well but this is working you know how dare he question my previous knowledge well it's not a matter of questioning previous knowledge maybe he's simply you know pressuring you into growing your skill set which is improving without seeing the this uh, uh this this person rolling and knowing a lot about their style are there is there any other <laughs> type of guard pass that you might recommend to someone who you know is a experienced wrestler who he liked i think he said the leg lace are there are there some other alternatives that come to mind where you go oh if you'd like that if you were if you were youtube right now and you said you like leg lace then you may also like this um i think you know i i would talk about like leg dragging and smash passing and things like that um but it's tough because even wrestling can be so versatile you know, you can have somebody like a like a Ben Askren who does like off the wall unorthodox style wrestling, and what I would tell him might be different from somebody, let's say like like a Jordan Burroughs who who's pretty much a straightforward wrestler, you know, orthodox style. So I don't know. It's it's um, it's tough without seeing really, but but leg leg um, leg drags are good and and smash passings are usually typical guard passing that wrestlers stake on you know fairly well okay well let's answer the second part of brendan's question he says i'm a bigger guy and usually when i'm rolling there aren't many people who are bigger than me or able to get on my back i tend to stay on top since it's where i'm comfortable due to my wrestling background whenever i do try to pull people in my guard i realize i am not as comfortable there and go back to top positions since I am in law enforcement, I, work, I worry that I will come into contact with someone who is bigger than me and force me to work from the guard. What do you recommend to make your guard game better? And then he says, 
Uh, the Andy says, thanks for the feedback. Hopefully your horoscope today is a positive one. That's really sweet of you, Brendan. I, I appreciate that. And I know Corla does too. See, this is when I get to be harsh. <laughs> I mean, God damn it. Like if you're aware that you have a weakness, that you have an area that you're not comfortable, uh, if you have an immediate need, I mean, especially being a cop, you know, you, you can't assume you're always going to be on top. You know, if, if you don't want to work a position and, you know, who cares? You're just training at the school. But if you're a cop and, and, and you have real life application to this and you are aware that you have a deficit in knowledge or, you know, a weakness in your skill set, and you are just simply uncomfortable, therefore you don't develop it. Like that's on you. Like, like you're just being dumb at this point, you know, like you need to just, you know, pull your panties up and, and work from the bottom. Even if you're not comfortable, even if it means losing at the gym, I'd rather a cop work from the bottom in the gym, any gym and lose every day that they come in. Right. And, and then when they're out in a situation where it's a real altercation and they end up in the bottom, they have a better chance at defending from the bottom than, you know, them coming in every day to train and always working the top because that's where they feel comfortable and then going outside in real life and then, you know, being put on their back and not knowing what to do. Like, I think it's better to, to, you know, yeah, it's like that saying, it's better to, to the more you sweat and train, the less you bleed in war, right? So, like, I think he's better off having a daily struggle at the gym, working from an uncomfortable position, and he, especially being aware of it. And then, should he ever get into a real-life situation where, you know, that skill set is needed, he has it, versus being comfortable at the gym and then lacking that, that skill set that may cost his life later. You know, so I, I think if you're aware of it, not working on it, it's just flat out stupid, you know, but, you know, especially being a bigger guy, because bigger guy matches the way that they work out is generally speaking, unless there's an exception, you know, you find somebody who's a, like an exception to the rule, big guys, the way big guys fight is whoever's on top wins. Like there's no, you know, big guys don't work their bottom game, be the exception, work from the bottom. What do you recommend for big guys who are who are new and starting off trying to improve from the bottom? Because you are one of those anomalies that you can you've been doing this long enough that you have the flexibility and movement of a of a smaller person. So you can you could do the same type of thing that uh, that like I could do. But a large person who's just starting training is probably not only not not only do they not have the knowledge, but they're they're going to be tighter. They're not going to be nearly as flexible as someone who's uh, smaller. I mean, I would I would definitely focus on a path to where his strengths lie. You know, so if he likes to be on top, it, it may not be about finding submissions from the bottom. It may be simply, at least at first in the beginning, it may be more about giving him or teaching him a, a a tool set that helps him get from the bottom to the top. It doesn't have to be submission-based, right? If you don't like being in your back, you don't like being in your back. But if he at least has a, a means or a way to get to the top every time, so if he has like a, like a for sure, let's say, just throwing numbers out there, like a for sure three techniques that will always work from bottom side, 
and he has three techniques that will always work from half guard, three techniques that will always work from close guard, not to submit. I'm just simply saying to get to the top, like that he knows, you know, shit hits the fan. I can do these three things from these positions and I will always get to the top there. My wrestling experience and my size can take over and, and, and I'll be okay. Right. The moment that you, you do that, then a huge comfort should be awarded to him because now, now he knows that push comes to shove, he can at least get to the top, you know, which will allow him mm-hmm. to expand his bottom game. So the first thing I would do is just try to find three, three, three to four techniques in, in just about every common position you find yourself in the bottom um, that you, you know push comes to shove you can get on top not that you think you can but that you know you can and and if your training partners aren't as big as you go find somebody bigger um because it does feel different brendan thank you for the email that was uh we basically got a whole episode out of it <laughs> yeah. yeah it was a good question uh, good questions oh i meant to ask you for this week coming back to the gym how did you feel coming back after all this time and getting to roll for the first time? I think everybody avoided me. I'm not quite sure why that is. Oh, yeah, probably because you, you were the uh, the guy in the prison yard who's – you're the guy in the prison yard who is bald, jacked, covered in just swastikas and walking, like, back and forth pacing, like, and, like talking to himself. They're like, no, no, I don't want to go with that guy. <laughs> that dude's crazy. Stay away from him. Yeah, I, I, I still have a lot of energy I need to, to release. So, um, yeah, it's going to be like that for a while. And did you this, – this is the longest time you've ever taken off uh, without rolling. So did you feel tight? Did you feel just a little – do you feel a little slower and more off than you're used to? Um, not tighter. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe I, I would say maybe a little slower, but not physically slower, like mentally slower and, and more so because I am more excited about just letting loose than I am about where I want to be. So, so this week we, you weren't like, okay, I'm working on this and I'm thinking, I'm strategizing. And it was just like a little kid, like, yippee, like, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling. Yeah, pretty much. Well, a little kid, like, yippee, and now I'm going to try to kill someone. Yeah, just like that. Huh. And I heard, I heard you got tapped about, was it three, four times by, I, by people? I, I did not get tapped, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish what I was. was uh, no. the, what was the technique that you started for the color belt class? Did you pick up where you left off last time or has it been long enough that you just kind of had to start somewhere else? No, we started somewhere else. I mean, we were eight, eight and a half months into bottom half. And, and I think we were so far down the, the, the series of attacks that starting back off, back up there from, from a, um, Starting back up from there after a four month break would be like unrealistic. It would be a nightmare. So we, we was started your concern with, that was your concern that people you're so far along that people wouldn't necessarily know they wouldn't remember how they got to that point in the first place? Yes. Yes. So we started with half guard passing. So we did we did just half guard passing one on one. How to flatten your opponent, how to get your underhooks, things like that. Okay. 
All right. Well, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot to shut the listener mailbag. Um, so I, this time, to, I, I pull my torch out. Ah, bird comes, flies. I give it to the bird. Uh, I wrap it around its, its its little talon, and he ah, flies away. That's what a hawk sounds like, too. In case you weren't sure. Um, no, I was very he, confused. Oh, okay. And he yeah, he's soaring away. But then. I hear like a, the shot of a rifle ring out and he just falls from the sky and I just see him fall into a forest and I don't know what happened. It looks like someone shot him. What are we, what are we going to do from here on out to get the listener mailbag? I don't know, but people are going to have to tune in next time to find out. Will we, will we ever be able to look at listener emails again? I, I don't know. I sure hope so. Yeah, we'll have to figure something out. You're, you're, and, you're you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll work this into a role play next time where maybe, maybe you were the uh, perpetrator that shot this, this bird. Yeah. And, and we have to, you and I will have to, I don't think you and I have ever battled in a role play before. So maybe. Oh, no, I feel like I'd be at a disadvantage. <laughs> Good. It's about, it's about fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right, speaking, well, speaking of before we, no, we, we cut off um i think we should announce that there is a second death match happening there I don't is know if you knew this yes you didn't, didn't know, know this that. No. yeah apparently apparently kip from from the grappling dads has called out claude oh that's right yeah <laughs> and uh and claude and, and, is the, a brown belt from our school yeah, and, and Claude basically said, okay, it's on. And then Kip said something like, oh, you, you need to tie your legs together. And Claude said, okay, it's still on. So, so yeah, we'll record that at some point whenever that whenever that happens and we'll, we'll upload it. Yeah, that's – yeah, so people listening, Kip from Grappling Dads. Well, first death match was Paul from Grappling Dads and me. And then uh, I think people saw that and thought, wow. Things couldn't get any more boring. Let's try that again. And then uh, Kip, for whatever reason, now if correct me if I'm wrong, but was it Paul kind of dragging Kip into this, or did Kip did, like, did Kip initiate this? I, they were talking. They were talking about doing it again, and then Paul's like, "Yeah, but you got to fight next." And he's like, "What am I going to fight? You know, Croiler." He's like, "That's boring. That's not going to work." And then. Um, Paul's like, well, maybe you can go with Claude. He's like, yeah, fuck Claude. I can go with Claude. And then, like, uh, yeah, and then, and then Claude accepted it. And all of a sudden, it was real. It's like when you talk about your bullies, and then all of a sudden, yeah. they step up. Yeah. So, Claude, the, the rule is he'll have his legs tied together. I, I mean, I don't know if it, that's official, but I know that that was thrown out by Kip, and I think Claude accepted it regardless. So I think that should be because yeah, if Claude isn't tied up, then it'll be very fast, and that's that's not so fun. I would like to see him with his legs tied up, and maybe if we could blindfold him, that would also that also be nice. That that would. <laughs> As long as Kip dies, and this is a pretty guaranteed bet that Kip will die, I'm I'm happy. So, <laughs> yeah, my my money's on Claude. So, uh, yeah, people listening, if Claude, if if you wanted to see him, he is on our our uh, just jujitsu Instagram page. He went to Europe with us, and I think, I think there's he, there are a couple pictures of him on there. Yeah, he's also on on my website. He's one of the instructors there. Yes. All right. Well, guys. Thank you for listening this week and 
Curler, have a fantastic day. And I, your demeanor is just – you're brighter and lighter and you have a little more enthusiasm <laughs> than I think you've had for the last few months. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Thanks. All right. Well, have a good week, everyone. All right. See you. Bye.